I'm Tuner here with, with just me, with just me. Um, got some shocking news Friday afternoon. Um, and unfortunately, Michael Vincent will no longer be on the show with us. It's not something I was uh, expecting. It's not something I was anticipating. I didn't know it was going to happen. And, um, you know, he's been in the foxhole with me since March 2020. We've done hundreds of episodes together. You've heard us talk on hundreds of episodes, so not having him here is going to be um, not just a big blow to me, but I think a big blow to you, the audience as well. Now, I've been rowing this boat since 2019, and I will continue to do that. Now, what the truck is doing or in the industry, I don't think I'm going to fill this seat with anybody else, at least not in Anytime near, we might have some guest hosts on, right? We might bring you all in as usual as we've done. I know in the meantime, I... Homeboys over at Back the Truck Up will be helping me out with some of the new segments we do at the beginning and the end of the show. And we're going to carry this ball forward and we're going to keep bringing you what the truck as we uh, was we always had. In the meantime, Michael Vincent, he is most immediately be going to be working on what he does with ocean plastic technologies. So you, you've heard him talk on here before about his guitar picks that he's doing from the reclaimed ocean plastic. He also has these shipping containers that do a bunch of recycling and all that. So he's up to some really cool stuff. He's also got a podcast you can still hear from him on the Sustainiacs. Go look them up. And of course, look up Michael Vincent on LinkedIn and give him a follow. We still are uh, our dear friends. I'm going to miss him every every day. I miss him right now up here. I keep looking, I keep looking over to my left waiting for him to speak. Um, Moving forward, on today's show, protecting uh, we're going to be talking about protecting your holiday cargo from double brokers. We're going to be talking about giving back to drivers during the holidays. We're going to talk about air frying in the truck. And this one is uh, super topical for me because I actually just got an air fryer. I don't know if you've seen some of these Black Friday deals. I had like the threshold holdout to like under 200. Got this Ninja one for 100. I've had mixed results so far. But Justin assures us he's like the air fryer master. So I'll get some tips from him. We're going to be talking about uh, preparing cross-border freight for the holidays. And we got much, much more. So let's tip the band for helping us keep the lights on around here. Surge Transportation now offers digital autonomous load booking for our carrier partners. Visit loads.surgetransportation.com 24-7 to book loads at competitive market rates with the click of a button. Also, book it now through industry-leading load boards. Let's get some headlines. Headlines. See, half the power up here is Michael Vincent. Without him, it takes a little longer. Hear the noise. We got the rooster crow, too? There we go. It's somewhere around here, boss. <laughs> there he is. It's Rooster James Bowen. Needs over here. What's happening, dude? How you been? How was your weekend? Uh, yard work, man, yard work. Uh, we kind of have this family tradition of before Thanksgiving, cleaning out the yards and, you know, uh, getting all the pine straw and leaves off the roof. So, um, digging splinters and, uh, nursing up some, uh, uh, rose briar scars. 
Oh, okay. Well, uh, heal up because we got some hard, some hard hitting news to get to. But we have a, a tradition here on what the truck do with our own family. And it's the freight holiday Christmas tree. Here's last year's for you all. Those out here, I've told y'all. If you haven't sent it yet, just telling you early because last year people complained. They said, "Why did you not say anything until after Thanksgiving?" Well, everyone gets annoyed if you talk about Christmas before Thanksgiving, Rooster. But I'm giving you all ample time. We're putting up another freight holiday tree this year. Send your ornaments, but also the other awesome thing is send your holiday cheer videos like 45 seconds or less be creative have your office send me a mp4 video you can email me tduner at freightwaves.com and also if you don't have our address here email me dm me on social media whatever we'll get your uh, ornaments up on the tree we'll have a good time i think we all need it this year rooster rooster if you were to make your own personal ornament what would you put on that tree I actually been thinking about what to send up there to you guys. And I know we had this conversation about fruitcake the other day. You know, Claxton, Georgia is not far from me. And it's uh, kind of like the fruitcake capital of the world with the Claxton fruitcakes. So Ooh. might be sending a fruitcake up to you guys. And, you know, they have a lifespan of about a million years. So, you know, if you don't get it this year, you can save it, put it in the freezer for next. You know, it's like fruitcake is a euphemism for a terrible gift, right? I always thought I was a crazy person because I've been called a fruitcake a bunch around here. <laughs> well, talking about fruitcakes, what about this first story? FMCSA shuts down two related Texas carriers. So related, in fact, they're probably the same exact carrier. Noy Mahoney, he says that here, there's this Houston-based trunking company. They've been put out of business. Um, they had all sorts of uh, violations going on. They were, they're called Pack Express, right? But also Texas Interstate Express. And one of the things they were doing here was having drivers run out of service. They had drivers without CDLs driving trucks. Rooster, what's going on with this story? And how typical is this in the industry oh, yeah. of companies operating under multiple names? I always tell Shady Character if they got a, another company in their back pocket ready to go, you know, uh, Thursday, you know, they shut down Pack and Pack Express, Texas Interstate Express. Uh, literally, I haven't really dug into the safer profiles of these guys, but I guarantee you the signatory is probably the same. Their addresses may be the same. Uh, Texas Interstate Express had 10 trucks, 10 drivers, while Pack was still running uh, seven trucks and five drivers. Uh, FMCSA is quoted saying their avoidance of compliance with the safety regulations and out-of-service order substantially increases the likelihood of severe injury and death for your drivers and motoring public if your operation not discontinued immediately. Mm. Uh, Pack Express began operating in July after the FMCSA began to conduct a compliance investigation of Texas Interstate Express. FMCSA identified Texas Interstate Express for investigation based on their widespread violations documented by the FMCSA themselves and their partners in law enforcement during roadside inspections. Okay, yeah, so, but how typical is this happening? Like, that's what I'm more interested in. Now, these guys already got caught. That's the news story. Uh, although, yeah. I, th I find it interesting that Texas Interstate Express had 10 trucks and 10 drivers. Well, Pack Express only had seven and five. Were some just not willing to work at both companies? Yeah, probably still having to wait on getting the vinyl slapped on the trucks, you know, get everything moved over, but... It, this happens about every, I'd say, month, every other month. We'll get a story like this across the wires of a company gets stopped, you know, two-timing, double-dealing. I don't want to finish the song there, but, you know, it's a whole lot of, whole lot of bad influence when you see this happen. It, it gives small trucking companies a bad name because everybody thinks like, oh, you're just a couple of trucks, you know, or you 
truly running legal or, you know, you're just trying to make a quick buck, get caught, then you know, uh, move the lemonade stad down the road and change the name and start all over again. Yeah. Well, not good. Well, good thing they put this one out of business, but it's like whack-a-mole. There's more bad actors. Yeah. Out there, shippers, need to protect yourselves from these people, especially on the holidays. We uh, won't talk about that topic specifically with travelers, but that is something we talk about them frequently, and I'm glad they're on the show because this is when people get taken advantage of. Here's another issue. No one gets taken advantage of rooster truck drivers, and now they're going to have, I think it's 200 less parking spots because West Virginia yeah. is closing down two prominent truck parking areas in February 2023, and I read that these won't open until winter of 2024, so this is a substantial time out of service and you said this is even more important Dooner because this is a very um well-traveled truck stop what's happening here uh we're talking about the West Virginia Turnpike more uh particularly the Beckley Travel Plaza and the Bluestone Travel Plaza any driver who's been on I-77 knows Beckley I mean it's the the place to park on the Turnpike there's only two other travel centers but they are tiny compared to the size of Blackley. It can hold 130 trucks currently. The expansion plan is to put 165 trucks total. It sits at the bottom of the hill from where the Tamarack Arts and Crafts Museum for West Virginia is. Other truck parking locations that are very few and far between. I-77, you literally have river on one side, mountain on the other. Very few places to even build a truck stop. You have the Loves at Hicksville, West Virginia to the south. You have you have well, a, let me, hey, Rooster, let me ask you something. Up. Rooster, is this like a future truck stop or, or like futuristic one? Are they gonna have charging stations for trucks and all that? Because every time yes. EVs come up, it's, everyone's like, Where you know, we always want to know where the chargers are coming from. Is this gonna have some at least? Yeah, Governor Jim Justice in the Turnback Authority announced on November eighteenth that these two travel centers are gonna be updated to basically future-proof them. Uh, I don't think they're going to have mega charges in for large trucks, but they will be bringing in like uh, Tesla chargers and the hypercharges for the cars. Uh, okay, well, hey, look, Rooster, this is something that um, throughout the decade people should keep an eye on too, is we're going to start losing truck parking to these retrofits if we really want this to happen with the EV trucks, and that's something that we should probably be, be keeping on the horizon out there. Uh, we'll let you know of any truck stops. It's a bad time for it. Now, this is a story. We're only showing this because we want you to discourage people out there from doing this. This yes. is a really stupid uh, trend that's been happening. Here's Super Trucker. He did a TikTok. We'll talk about it quickly. Roll the tape. Not sure if you've seen this yet. Uh, this guy in Houston, Texas, jumps off of an overpass onto a moving trailer, uh, does a little dance, and then gets knocked over by the overpass here, falls and dies. Uh, this is really stupid. Don't do this ever, ever. Yeah, this is just pure stupidity. Uh, that was in Houston, Texas the other day. Got climbed over the chain link fence over the interstate, jumped on top of the trailer during rush hour traffic. As you can tell, he stumbled got himself back up, started recording the video, uh, wasn't paying attention, got hit by the by the frame of the, the overpass, and unfortunately, you know, he got scraped by the frame, fell off the trailer, and, you know, succumbed to his injuries. That was uh, the mess. I believe it shut down the interstate for about two or three hours while they uh, tried to figure out what happened. Look, people, these trucks hit enough bridges without people on top of them, okay? You need to watch the show more often to see some of the accidents that are on here. Maybe talk to someone from Travelers about accidents. This is not smart. Do yeah. not go on top of trucks. The TikTok 
is not worth it. Rooster, thank you so much for helping me out with the news today. I appreciate you getting us uh, up to date with what's going on. For those of you just in summation, don't dance on top of trucks. Keep an eye out on truck parking. We're going to start to lose some, and we're probably going to start seeing that happen more and more often through the decade as truck stops have to get future-proofed. And um, don't pretend you're a carrier. You're not. Rooster, take care, brother. Adios. <laughs> take care. All right, let's talk to Elizabeth Simpkins. She's a regional underwriter at Inland Marine Transportation at Travelers Insurance. And this is a topic we've been covering a lot on backthetruckup.com, which is double brokering. Frank Caviar has done a ton of different articles on what it is, what goes on, what happens, how do you protect yourselves? Well, now we're going to talk to an expert on that subject. Elizabeth, thanks for coming on the show. Hey, thanks for having me. It's always good to be here. <sighs> yeah, well, it's, it, look, it's that time of year holiday season where all the good in people comes out, but so does the bad. Last time Travelers was on, we talked about the very obvious type of theft, right? Someone breaking into your trailer and taking your cargo. There's another type of theft that happens in freight that isn't as easy to quantify. It's a little bit more amorphous, but I think you're going to define us and tell us how to avoid it. And that is double brokering. Before we get into what double, how double brokering works and all of that, what is double brokering, Elizabeth? Yeah, so I guess I'll just put it as simply as I can. Um, double brokering is essentially when a carrier accepts a load from a freight broker to complete that shipment, but actually ends up running the load under a different carrier instead. And oftentimes, it's being done without the original shipper's noted knowledge or the broker who actually gave the load. So it's a problem. You know, who has the freight is, is really the issue. Um, yeah, of <laughs> course. You know, yeah. It, and there's a ton of effect throughout the supply chain, shippers, brokers, unsuspecting motor carriers. It's universally frowned upon um, because we just mentioned it doesn't, you don't know who has the freight, uh, who might be getting paid for the actual delivery. And it's not uncommon to see brokers and shippers that actually use language in their agreements that prohibit double brokering for those reasons. And aside from that, if that wasn't enough for you, there's liability and coverage problems, too. So if you think about we've talked about how freight brokers are not legally liable under Carmack, but one way that they actually can be brought back into that liability argument is by improper vetting of a motor carrier. So now you have broker liability where there was originally none assumed. And uh, the question of is the carrier properly vetted? And in that same example, that could be a coverage problem. You know, those uh, contingent cargo policies don't cover loss many times if the load was double brokered. So you got all that to think about. Um, and the additional thing of a legal problem, potentially, if the brokering is being done by an entity that isn't authorized as a freight broker, it can lead to fines and even prison sentencing. So this isn't something new, double brokering. It's not a myth. It's something we've all heard talked about. But how prevalent is the issue? How often is this happening? And how often is someone from like your perspective uncovering it? Yeah, it's it's not new. Uh, we're seeing it on the rise, though. Now there's a couple things contributing to that. The high demand we've seen in the marketplace, you know, carriers are turning to rebrokering loads with more frequency. If they didn't have an available truck, but they accepted that load anyway, they're not going to just turn the business away. They're going to find another carrier to do it. And the problem, as we mentioned, is that that's happening without the shipper or the broker's consent. Um, and if that someone else turns out to be a shell company, uh, even if there's not a theft per se, but if the cargo is damaged while it's in that care, custody and control of that carrier, that's a problem. 
Um, the other thing that we see more frequently now is there's this sophistication that's developing with thieves that are bringing these double brokering scams just to the forefront. Technology is advancing. It's easier to create these fictitious networks of carriers. And you could see that situation where the freight broker is also a victim. It's pretty, it's pretty scary. Now, when this topic some, comes up, there's always some person that raises their hand and yells, well, I co-broker all the time. What is the difference between co-brokering and double brokering? I am so glad you asked. Um, it's not the same thing, but it is often confused. You know, double brokering can sometimes be referred to as co-brokering or freight interlining. Try to make it sound less risky. But in a true co-brokering scenario, you know, both co-brokers, there's two of them, have authorized broker authority. So that's one thing. Um, there's agreements in place on both sides. So you've got an outlining there of roles, responsibilities, and liability. The shipper is often always, you know, often aware of what is going on. So it's very transparent and communication is open. Um, so it's, you know, quite different. The distinguishing factors, proper authority, consent of the parties, and the co-brokering is legal. So it's common. It's, it's more of a partnership between the brokers. And it's important to know those differences. So then what would be a, like a real world example of double brokering? Sure. Yeah. So, so something that we would typically see is if a motor, if is a shipper, excuse me, reaches out to a freight broker, one they probably work with often, and they ask them to arrange for that transportation to be moved, uh, the freight to be moved. Now, that freight broker probably has a good vetting process in place, and that's most likely why that shipper works with them. They know them, they trust them. So the broker vets their carrier, they tender the load, but what the broker isn't told is that the carrier they've hired may not have that truck available. Instead of pushing that business back to the freight broker and saying they can't do it, they turn around and broker it to another motor carrier. So you've got a couple problems right from the jump. Um, does that original broker have any restrictions in their agreements that prohibit that hired carrier from rebrokering it? There's a good chance. Um, the second motor carrier that was hired, the one that's ultimately going to move it, um, that freight broker probably doesn't know they're involved. And would they have actually chosen that carrier? Would they have passed the vetting process of that original freight broker? And how good of a job did that motor carrier that was supposed to move the goods but gave it to someone else do in actually vetting? Did they do any vetting? Um, if that process is weak at all, they actually could have hired a thief without knowing it. And the second thing to that point, um, that motor carrier may not have had broker authority to even move it. So you've got potential coverage issues, a legality issue. That's typically what we see. Is there anything that carriers can do to protect themselves? So we know what the issue is. We know why it's a problem. What can I do now? How do I stop this from happening to me? Yeah. So carriers, shippers, brokers, all of them, no matter what you do in the supply chain, always know who you're doing business with. Um, check, you know, for shippers, checking the broker that they're considering to work with against FMCSA reg uh, registration. And if you do this often, develop a network of brokers that you trust. And shippers can also make sure that they confirm the motor carrier to be used, make sure it matches who picks it up, and ensure that that uh, bill of lading clear, clearly identifies the actual carrier who's going to take possession and control of the shipment. If that's not correct, if you see something strange, call the broker. The brokers, uh, as part of their vetting process, they should be validating their carriers to be sure they're authorized, licensed, insured, um, and then carriers, making sure you're not a victim of this in some way. Read your rate confirmation carefully. If that confirmation requires you to check in as a different carrier than you are, 
probably hauling the double brokered load. Um, make sure that you don't see any strange billing information and intermediary that you don't recognize. You know, you can call your dispatch. Um, and then all parties, again, check your contracts. The language in there, uh, shippers and brokers both, can put language in specific to prohibiting double brokering. So that's a good safeguard against that. Um, just be sure that, that you're reading those carefully. Elizabeth, thank you so much. Have a great Thanksgiving, you and the Travelers team. Thanks for these tips on protecting ourselves from uh, this terrible problem. We appreciate it. You're welcome. Take care and happy Thanksgiving. Take it easy. All right. Let's find, about, let's find out about, let's see here. How about shining a light on your drivers, right? How about giving them a little appreciation around the holidays? It's our holiday special. We're talking about how to be good to everybody. But you know what? I noticed something here. Our next guest used to work at Dolby, so I got to find out what soundbar I need to get this holiday season. It is Kristen Tedesco, Senior Marketing Manager over at Netrodyne. Kristen, thanks so much for coming on the show. Thanks so much for having me. Is that true you used to be over at Dolby? It is true. However, I was not a sound engineer. So uh, what's the best product? <laughs> uh, probably not the best to tell you, but yes, the sound bar is supposed to be really good. Makes it sound like sound is coming from all over the room. So maybe don't watch it with a horror flick. It's a little mm. bit creepy. <laughs> all right. I'll take that as I'll take that as a challenge. Well, <laughs> We don't want to horrify our drivers. It's the holiday season. We want to give thanks and we want to do it in non-cheesy ways so they feel validated and they feel good. What are some good ways to show driver appreciation this holiday season? Right. So first off, I'll say I'm not a fleet manager, so I'm speaking on behalf of, um, you know, what our customers tell us. And of course, cash is king. Not a surprise, right? Sure. Um, but from what I understand, drivers appreciate all sorts of gifts and it doesn't have to be anything major, branded swag, hats, flashlights, tools, folding chairs, anything to make their job easier. And of course, items that they can take back to the family, pet items, restaurant gift cards, that type of thing. So um, a lot of fleets that we work with now will use a driver score throughout the year, and then they'll give a large prize or bonus to the driver with the highest average score throughout the year. And um, that can be like a flat screen TV or I've even seen $25,000 cash prizes. Interesting. Does messaging matter or is it all just cash is king? Here you go. Here's a big TV. Be happy. Absolutely. It's, it's, you know, I think it's easy to forget what, to forget to continually say things and give praise throughout the year. You know, you can think something, but like, that's not enough. You really do have to say it. And so when you're talking about like integrating that into an everyday safety culture and not just the holidays, um, that's key. And so 30% of employees are engaged at work, which is great, right? Engagement translates into increased innovation, productivity, and ultimately better bottom line performance. Um, but that means 50% are unengaged, just going through the motions, not performing to their capabilities, and the balance, the 20%, are actually disengaged, which means they're unhappy at work and they may be actively influencing their coworkers to join them in this unhappiness. So how do you, you know, how do you mitigate that? Studies show that employee engagement needs are really basic and logical, and it mostly comes down to regular and clear communication. So that includes setting ex expectations, um, having whatever materials and equipment they need to do their job, 
receiving periodic recognition and praise and just feeling that their supervisor cares about them. So it really can be as simple as a monthly pat on the back in the form of a phone call, email, or text. Interesting. So if 50% are unengaged, that can be an issue because disengaged people, um, they may not be as in tune, for example, with like your safety culture amongst other cultures. How do you make it so gratitude becomes not just like, oh, it's Thanksgiving. I got to say like, thank you drivers. So it is something that is constant, right? So gratitude is perpetual. Yeah, exactly. And honestly, from my perspective, um, I'm the kind of person that works really well with calendar reminders. So um, if you're talking about like use tools to help you um, set reminders to do that, and it can be just as simple as that. Maybe there's a weekly ping that you get or a monthly ping that says send a note to um, your staff members. So starting team meetings with shout outs um, is a great way to get things going. Even a how are you or a good morning text is fast and helpful. Um, so at Netrodyne, for example, we use Slack instant messaging app. And every Monday and Friday, every single week, my manager uses Slack to send our team a happy Monday or a TGIF message, which of course just takes a moment and it makes a big difference. So from the free perspective, oh, sorry. No, go right ahead. <laughs> Many of our customers will show dash cam videos of near misses and proactive driving moves in their break room or their Facebook group pages or wherever they share um, team information. And so that makes people feel really good. Um, the pride and the bragging rights that come with that um, are a big deal. And then our customers generally will do like a monthly check-in and a contest accompanied by praise and possibly rewards as well. Interesting. Have you have you picked up any tips in doing those of things that that work and don't work, or things that work better? Um, I would say I don't know if it's like one thing works better than the other. I think that it's just just doing it, just getting it out there in whatever way you know. And it kind of depends on the person and whether uh, pride whether whether they're more of a pride type of person or whether they. Uh, just want the, a reward. So what I will say is another tool that's really helpful are driver scores, which are becoming more and more um, prevalent in the industry. So a lot of the you know, software uh, providers in the fleet industry will have a driver score as part of their platform. Um, and we have one as well as part of the camera platform. And so what it does is it's providing a really fast, easy, and a fair way um, to assess people. So it just just makes it feel like it's not it's not objective anymore, you know, um, and there's data behind it. And so, you know, some of the more sophisticated fleet management tools, of course, will send praise automatically. So we have like a virtual coach, which always starts the conversation uh, by mentioning great driving that they've done. And um, it gives transparency to see how they're doing compared to fleet average. And um, it just helps to motivate them. So in turn, that transparency shows that the manager trusts the driver, and then the driver feels the freedom to manage their own performance. Very cool. Well, Kristen, anything else? Any other tips before we let you go? Thank you for having me, and have a great Thanksgiving. <laughs> you too. You too. Hey, pumpkin pie or apple pie, by the way? Pumpkin, 100%. Right answer. little cowbell for you. Thanks so much for coming on the show. We appreciate it. Thank you. Bye-bye. Take care. Meanwhile... 
Satan goons. Nice protection scheme. Out of those guys. <laughs> XBO is driven to put your freight first with coverage in 99% of U.S. zip codes as well as key routes to Mexico and Canada. XBO will help you get your shipments where they need to go, on time and damage-free. All fine-tuned by over 35 years of world-class LTL experience. Learn more at ltlsolutions.xbo.com. Now we're going to meet the co-founder of a father and son trucking apparel company. It's Jason Rabin. Co-founder and president at Low Boy Industries. What is up, sir? I like your shirt. What's going down? Yo, it's all about the message, right? I got something for you right there. That's my what? flagship shirt. This is our number one seller. Don't know why, but the people who buy it, they know why. That's what's up. Well, I'm going to make you describe that shirt to our audio listeners. Okay, I'm happy to. Um, I come from a corporate background, um, <laughs> non-competes have been, you know, like signing your paychecks on Fridays. It's just been the, the natural flow of things. And, uh, listen, a couple months ago, uh, what I thought to be a reputable, um, national company put out a pretty big marketing blitz about, Hey, listen, we don't believe in the non-competes jump on board with us. And I said, yeah, I'm gonna put my name on that. I, I, I co-signed it. Max Freight put their name on it. And uh, unfortunately, quite some time uh, afterwards, I, I saw a podcast, and in that podcast, um, the leader of this this uh, movement, if you will, dropped something on me that made my head just go. He said, "You know, we uh, we we push no non competes, but we make our employees sign a non solicit." And I said, "Nah, man, what are you talking about? That's crazy town. It's crazy to me." So. Right then and there, that that made me start to think like, listen, if you're going to preach the no non-compete and then slick, sly under the table, slide that, you know, 20-year-old unsuspecting college kid, a non-solicit, you're doing them dirty. And so I'm a mouthpiece and my shirt is the microphone. And you know what? It, it, it is what it is. I don't believe in um, one without the other. They're mutually exclusive. You, you either are or you are not for both. So, uh, so the yeah, description you know, I of removed the, my name from that campaign. The description of the graphic on your shirt would, would be, it says, you're non-solicit and there is a stick figure um, I, doing something to the Y. Yes, that, that's what we'll say. Uh, you know, it's, so, uh, it's an interpretive piece. It's art. It's art. No, hold on a second, though. Let me ask you, so is, is this what that is all about? Is this what Lowboy Industries is all about? It's apparel and shirts that are just a dunk on another freight company or is this like an apparel company for all sorts of designs? Oh man, there, <laughs> everything we do is with purpose. So no, okay. we're certainly not out here to rub anyone in the dirt. Um, but listen, there's 8 billion people in the world. Every one of them wears a t-shirt. Why not mine? Um, the freight game is such a small little niche and there's so many little intricacies within the freight game. Um, and, and a lot of our inspiration comes from LinkedIn, YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, and I'm a t-shirt junkie. I love t-shirts. Like, look at, I got your, I got your pitch lap right here. Like, like the people that just bust on me and want to be my friend on LinkedIn and immediately try to sell me something that's not relevant. I, I take inspiration from that and I turn it around and it's kind of a little bit of satire, but it's all very pointed. There, there's message behind a lot of what we do. Um, but no, I'm not trying to rub anybody's name in the mud. I'm, I'm not dirty like that. I just I like to have a good time. T-shirts are funny. It, it yeah, no. poses the question. It allows for dialogue. 
No, I like the design. I was just curious. Yeah, I was like, wait, I didn't realize that. that like, I wasn't sure if it came from like, I want to make a t-shirt company or like, screw that company. I want to make a t-shirt company to put, you know, their name on it kind of thing. Because um, the other designs yes. are like, make a fair, yes. make. Yes. I want to do all of that. So both. All of it. I want to okay. do all of that. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> well, they say absolutely. never answer Listen, a, anger I'm a man with a screen printer. Listen, I'm about it. And listen, I'm going to shout out this company right here. Okay. Um, full transparency. I drop ship a lot of our, our apparel. This is Fast One Apparel. This is ran by a um, disabled veteran out of San Diego. I'm in contact with them to be my full production run uh, printer. Um, my son said something to me the other day, and he uh, continues to amaze me every single day. He said, Dad, why don't we have people who are in the service, who are combat veterans, you know, a part of our supply chain? And I was just shocked. I said, darn, I dropped the ball on that one, didn't I? So, you know, we, we went out and we looked at some companies and we want to partner with companies that affect our supply chain that are 100% about what we're doing. So at the end of the day, my 15-year-old son said to me, we need to put our money where our mouth is. And Man, right then and there, I said, let's go to the store. We're going to buy you some new shoes. You, you just earned some new shoes. So I went and bought him some Jordans. Now he's out in high school today, flexing on them little kids because he oh, wow. earned it. Um, but, man, he's so smart. And I'm just – I love what he's about. I love the um, energy he's bringing to this. It's reinvigorating my energy. And not for nothing, I, I get to work with my son. How cool is that, you know? So the 15-year-old, he's the he's the co-founder because I, I saw it was with your son. That was going to be my next question. What's his age? But I yes. think uh, we have that – that answer right now. So this is pretty, so what does he do with the company? Like as a 15 year old, what are you having him figure out? So the premise of the company um, really kind of came together a few months ago. He came home one day and said, dad, I want to join the Marines. And I said, okay. Um, you've never spoke about this ever before. A recruiter came to school, you know, talked to, talked to them and he bought in and we're a very, very uh, pro-America patriotic family. And for him to come home and say that to me was a little bit of a shock. Um, he's to me, he's more of an air force guy, you know, like put him, put him in a drone room and let him fly video games all day long. Um, but my concern was, did, did he understand the consequences of, of what happens to veterans when they come home? And he didn't. And so him and I sat down and I made him the vice president of veteran outreach. He handles all of our veteran programs. Um, he just did some volunteer this work for Operation Homefront, went out, bagged some groceries for homeless veterans over the weekend, put in some service time and started to put together, um, you know, some real world experience about what it's going to take to be successful, not only in life, but in this company, but also to come home safely as a, as a combat veteran. If he should ever see combat, I want to make sure that he knows he's not alone and that there are, are veterans out there that need our help. And so I have two years to affect some change in him so that he, he can do what he can do while he has time. But I want him to be prepared when he comes home as a dad, you know, if, if he goes to war and, and lays down his life for his country, um, that's commendable. That's respectful. Um, but if he comes home and lays down his life because of his country, dad's going to be pissed. So, you know, I have some work to do and he has some work to do and we're going to partner together to do the best that we can while helping others in the process. Well, great. So if people want to support the company, they want to get some t-shirts in the meantime and want to see what you're up to, where do I send them to? Send them to lowboyindustries.com. 
Um, we've got a LinkedIn, we've got a Twitter page and Instagram. I'm everywhere. You know, social media is a lot of fun. I really enjoy being um, creative. And as you can see, if you look at some of my shirts, there's some creative, creative messaging. There's some creative shirts, but um, I give credit where credit's due. A lot of, of our inspiration, like take, for example, that Make America Freight Again. My yeah. boy Sam Watts came out with a, a post a couple months ago, and he said, uh, I want to make a hat that says Make Freight Important Again. While I love it, my brain pivoted to, man, he just gave me this idea. And I, and I message him. I'm like, hey, I'm going to swagger jack your idea and turn it into my own. Don't hate on me, but this is what I'm going to do. And he loved it. And and it's a play on Trump. You know, this isn't a, a Democratic or Republican thing. It's just it just made sense. And you know what? The free game, it's in my blood. And sure. there's so much nonsense we all deal with out here. Let's make this bad boy freight again. You know what I mean? I hear you. All right. Well, everyone go check out Low Boy Industries. Get yourself a... Uh... A T-shirt to stick under the, the tree this holiday or your stocking stuff. Appreciate your time today, sir. It. We'll connect with you again it. soon. Take Thank care. Thank you, brother. Appreciate you. I see you. Have a good Thanksgiving. Oh, man, I forgot to ask about Spartan runs, too. He goes on, like, all these Spartan runs, and um, I wanted to torture our TV team back here and see which one I can send them on. I know he's still listening because I see him smiling and drinking his coffee in that green room. Jason, you better DM me uh, a Spartan rum to go torture that team. Thank you. I see him putting his thumbs up. And Justin, too. Justin looks like he could use a Spartan run. We got Jose Balderami, CEO over at BBA Logistics. And we're going to talk about cross-border. I used to do cross-border in a uh, past life. Mostly Canadian cross-border. I think he's closer to south of the border. But, Jose, thank you so much for coming on today. Thank, thanks for having me, Donner. Um, yeah, it's great to be on the show. I've been I mean, listening to the show for a few months now, and it's great to be here. Nice. Well, what's the BBA stand for? It's our the founding par partner's last names. It's Valderrama, which is me, Bazua, which is oh. my other partner, and Arambula. Yeah, it, we didn't think too much about it. Yeah. Well, good, because I have some questions for the founder. I'm glad he's here today. Now, I was going to ask you yeah. a little bit about how about getting prepared for cross-border for the holidays? We get a lot of questions about freight because it's been a really weird season with like the dry van inland market being terrible most of the year, but then things like bulk commodities being really robust. What's Let's start there. What's going on in cross-border? Cross-border is actually becoming a huge thing nowadays with nearshoring becoming bigger. Uh, you know, trade between Mexico and the USA is actually, you know, a great opportunity to do business right now, especially. And it's been our bread and butter for four years now. We've been in business for since 2018. And yeah, cross-border is actually super exciting. We've grown to have a, a very, you know, uh, informed team about it because sometimes, you know, most of our clients are either Mexicans or Americans that import or export between Mexico and the USA. And, you know, for new companies to start doing business with a company from another country, it's it's tough. It, it, it takes like, a, you know, you, you got to get well-informed and you have to get like a, a very well-informed logistics partner as well. And, and, you know, that's where we we going to. Well, what do I got to know about dealing with cross-border freight in the winter of 2022? Uh, it's, it's actually, you know, during the holidays, it's especially, you know, a high risk, high reward kind of thing, because, you know, there's a lot of customers that you've been, or potential customers that you've been cold calling for like months now. And, you know, it, it is a window of opportunity because 
like for instance today in mexico it, it, it it's like uh you know mexican revolution day so nobody works but we do work because we were an american company and in thanksgiving which is thursday and friday you know a lot of american companies won't work but be, because we have the mexican side as well we are going to work so yeah i mean what we do and how we can pre get prepared for that is we take a look at our customers like hey what are you guys going to have this week uh how's it looking most of our product is produce you know tomatoes green beans a lot of that shrimp and seafood we move a lot of that as well and meat products animal meat so yeah you know reefers at, at this time of the year it's tough so we rather work with companies that we've already like worked with a lot but yeah it, it is high risk high reward certainly because if one of those guys you know those companies cancel on me on you know thursday 11 a.m it's gonna be painful it has happened and you know it's a learning curve in that but you know you gotta leave like a a colchón, we say in Spanish, a mattress, you know, like a higher rate on that. But yeah, we work on that as well. Hey, what border crossing has the best food by it? Now you, you just got me hungry because I was just down in New Mexico. So I had some of them green chilies. And then when you were just talking, oh, you, yeah. got me, you got me hungry, man. What border crossing is your <laughs> favorite? My favorite? Like, like what favorite border you mean? Or... Yeah, like well, I always get the best food by the border. Where where should If you want to go on a border tour, where should you head to? That Like... We're actually for the northwest part of Mexico, which is no, the agricultural bigger sector in Mexico. So Nogales, Arizona, you know, right Ooh. next to Tucson. Yeah, I, I think that's the best one. We move a lot from there. It's uh, it's amazing, you know, like what that little town is doing in, in, in terms of uh, logistics side. So, yeah, we move a lot from Nogales. Most of the product goes to California. McAllen is huge as well. And from Dry Vans, uh, it's Laredo. You know, mm. Laredo is huge. <laughs> now, how in, so when I used to deal with Canadian cross border, knowing the ports, knowing the agents there was invaluable. I could get someone's freight turned around much mm -hmm. quicker than I think a lot of people because I'd built those relationships. How important is that on the Mexican side? It's super important as well, you know, getting to know the custom agents, what their working hours are. You know, m most of the loads, you know, it, they, they can be door to door, but they, they do work with a custom agent from the Mexico side and from the U.S. side. So you, you are always going to have like want to have a good relationship with them because you, they, they do the paperwork. They can agilize like the whole shipment and and yeah, getting to know them, talking to them is absolutely important. You know, specifically last week, we took the time in our team, you know, to talk to them, get to know what the the client needs are going to be, uh, what the working hours are going to be. Because on, on Mexico sp specifically, uh, we move a lot of the product to the, like the factories in Mexico, you know, like primal product, like paper products and stuff. So we move that uh, to like the fabric, to the, to, to the place in Mexico City, in Monterey, so it is most of the time, uh, like two shipments. We, we have a guy that's willing to do it from like uh, Arkansas to Laredo, Texas. And then we transship like the, the product from a Mexican, uh, from a U.S. van to a Mexican van. And there's a transfer that crosses that into a yard in Mexico and then goes on the Mexican side. So you got to be in sync with uh, like the U.S. driver with the custom agents in Mexico with the custom agents in the USA and with a driver in, in Mexico as well. That's going to do the last part. 
So yeah, it, it, it is a hassle and everybody has to be in sync and, and that's her job there. Well, hey, before we let you go, who should reach out to you? And do you have any tips for these shippers as this year comes to a close? Yeah, uh, definitely anyone that's willing to do cross-border shipment that's doing it already. Uh, you know, th there's actually, we were featuring an article in FrightWaves today. So oh. we're really excited about that. Yeah, about cross-border shipments. And there's a new paper you have to fill out. It's uh, Carta Porte. And it, it it does seem super hard, but it's it's actually... Uh, uh, like an easy task for a logistics company, for uh, Mexican custom agents. So if you're doing business with someone in Mexico, uh, if you're doing business or want to do business with uh, as a Mexican with somebody from the USA, I mean, we're definitely your guys. <laughs> well, thank you. Hey, Jose, thank you so much for coming on the show. You have, uh, thank you, we'll Dana. be working through Thanksgiving, but you and your team have a great yeah. time keeping, uh, <laughs> keeping the United States moving through the holidays. We appreciate it. We will. Thank you. Appreciate you having me. Have a great day. Take care. Wow. Good Wait stuff. Keeping it moving through the holidays. You know, I have a few devices under my sink. I have like a George Foreman grill. I've got a soda stream. Um, I think we might have a bread maker in the garage. I've got an easy bake oven. So when our pressure cookers, slow cookers, when all of these things, when people start talking them up a whole bunch, I'm a little bit weary because I've been around the block a few times. And one of the things people have been talking about nonstop is air fryers. And one of those people is our next guest. It's Justin Martin. He's a former truck driver. Your social media over at backthetruckup.com. He's also a podcaster. He's with us now. And Justin, I have some, uh, I have some news for you. Guess what? What's up? I finally got an air fryer. They were on sale for Black Friday. Awesome. All, all this inventory glut we've been reporting about, <laughs> yep. about Target and Walmart and how they're trying to blow yep. through inventory. Well, I, I don't know if you've noticed, but I have that inventory glut part. Many of those are air fryers. I think they must have shipped like yeah. billions of air fryers during the pandemic because the $200 Ninja ones are now just uh, like, I think the one I got was 89 bucks the other day. That is a great deal. Yeah, we we got one for Christmas two years back uh, from my sister-in-law. And again, like a lot of people had sat in the shelf for like six months and then we took it out one day and used it. And we're like, why did we wait so long? It's super, it's not the biggest. So the portions it's making aren't, aren't all that big. But if you're just cooking something for yourself and you want to get it done quickly, you can't beat it. So mine has like two fry baskets, right? I think they're they're like four quarts each. Oh. It holds eight total, and I believe the premise on an uh, an air fryer is it's basically like a convection oven, isn't it? It's like a really compact yeah. convection oven. It's using a ton of air. But the cool thing for truck drivers, which got me thinking immediately when I plugged it in, was you could put this in a rig. Now, granted, it's pretty big. Like you can get ones that are sort of like, so that's maybe the size of like a Keurig, but the one I have is almost the size of a microwave. It has like the two baskets you can do. Um, and the good thing about that is you can cook on either side. It's like the Ninja Dual, Dual Zone or yeah. something like that. Um, the, the fryer we have, it's it's about the, a third of the size of a microwave. I had a microwave in my truck uh, back in the day. You need a really good uh, uh, inverter for it. You, you know, you, you really got to have it connected directly to your battery too. trying to power any of these things through your um, uh, DC outlet just isn't going to, it's not going to have enough juice. Now I am brand new with this, this air fryer and I had mixed results. I think that I, I, I had to get the cook timing down. I overcooked some chicken uh, that didn't go too well, but then I did some drumsticks, which went really well. And I had some frozen fries, which were mixed. So I'm kind of, the jury's still out with me. Tell me a little bit about how to get the most out of this air fryer, especially if you were out on the road. Um, 
letting it um, dry out is key. You never want to have wet food going into it because um, the air is what gives it a nice crisp um, on the skin. So if you're trying to season it, you know, salt, pepper, if you're trying to cook chicken, just salt and pepper it, leave it in the fridge for a couple hours and then throw it in there for, you know, 10, 12 minutes and it comes out perfect every time. Um, or another really good one, if you just want a quick meal, uh, sausage, you know, like uh, sweet Italian sausage, spicy Italian sausage, bratwursts, those are really easy, you know, nine minutes in there and uh, it's done. It's perfect. I mean, you get like a nice char on it even because the uh, if you got one that goes up to 400 degrees, uh, you can you can cook sausage in there in like eight minutes. Oh, yeah. Wait, does, so mine goes up to 400. Is that not typical for these? What do they usually go up to? Some of like the the, the more budget friendly kind, I, I've seen 300. The hottest one I've ever seen was 450. If you got one that goes to 450, you've got like a top of the line air fryer. Now, you mentioned the inverter and the electricity because in that video where you're looking at TikTok, wherever that truck driver was, they had like a microwave going. They had uh, yeah. the air fryer. They even had a mini fridge and all of that stuff. You, so you need a special setup in your truck to use all that stuff? Yeah, you want to have a, a power inverter installed because, again, most most of the trucks these days still only have the, the, the DC outlet in there. So you want to have an AC, a DC to AC inverter. Uh, make sure you got one that matches the uh, power usage of whatever you uh, you got plugged into it. So, I mean, geez, nowadays you got a TV, a microwave, now this air fryer, um, you know, all these gadgets, they're going to be uh, putting a big strain on your battery. So make sure you got uh, the right inverter for what you need. Now, when a lot of drivers are out on the road, are they trying to replicate Thanksgiving? Or are they trying to have like a TV dinner? Are they trying to make something similar? Or is it just another day? For me, it was like it was just another day. You know, if you, could, if you get parked in time, you know, most places are going to be closed as far as your shippers and receivers. So, you know, find a truck stop nearby, get there early. They're going to fill up. Um, and then, you know, most places will have like a, a you know Thanksgiving meal that they're doing for the, for the holiday. You know, that, that was basically my meals over the road. Or if I was lucky enough that I was near family, I'd park the truck and then, you know, rent a car or have somebody come by and pick me up. Speaking of, you just did um, a TikTok recently. You're talking about sightseeing as a truck driver. Mm-hmm. What, what is one of the best ways to get around when you're sightseeing as a truck driver? Oh, definitely Uber. Um, yeah. When the, the first time I ever got to like really play tourist in the, in the truck was at the Las Vegas Strip. Um, I was parked and the place I was delivering to was closed the next day. So I had the whole evening and a whole, a whole next day to myself. And being that it's Vegas, you know, you just pick up a phone and you know, a taxi shows up in five minutes. Um, so when I would be out in the middle of nowhere, you know, you're kind of stuck. Year basically, was unless you can... <laughs> Where were you picking up a phone calling taxis? Like in 1993? Oh, uh, 2000, 2009, 2010. Okay. 2008. Yeah. Or you pick up your cell phone. <laughs> yeah. No, but yeah, like, a, lot, a lot of places, <laughs> a lot of these small towns, like, like, uh, Aniston, Alabama, there was like, there was like one guy, he was the taxi in the town yeah. and you'd call him two or three o'clock in the morning and you're like, Hey, I need to ride to the hotel. And he's like, all right, on my way. It was nice in the middle of the night because there's nothing else going on. But during the rest of the day, he would do pharmaceutical runs. So he'd go to the drug stores, pick up people's prescriptions, take them to their house. Mm-hmm. So if you needed a ride from him in like the afternoon, you'd be waiting for a while because he gets he makes more money on those uh, <laughs> those drugstore deliveries than uh, as a taxi. Oh, yeah. Drugstore deliveries. I know all about those. <laughs> yeah, things. yeah. I, I know when Uber, when, I, when, when Uber and Lyft started coming up, I was like, oh, I bet that guy's pissed now because now he's got competition. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you always mm-hmm. know your uh, your drivers in the know when he hears you, hands you a little business card. What is this guy up mm-hmm. to? What is so? What did you do in Vegas all alone? Now I'm curious about uh, Super Trucker alone in Vegas. I went, I went to a show. I went to see the Amazing Jonathan. Huh? Um, rest in peace. Uh, he just passed away this last year. Um, Interesting. 
it was very disappointing because his show was basically the same exact show he's been doing for 20 years. Um, and then the second time I went to Vegas, I saw Penn and Teller live, which was amazing. Uh, if you're ever in town, uh, go definitely go and see that. I actually got to go up on stage uh, for the bullet catch trick because um, I was hauling munitions at the time. And so the entire audience, you know, they they asked people like, hey, who wants to come up on stage and, and you know do this trick with us, do this trick? So everyone's raising their hands. But then when the bullet catch trick finale was up, they're like, who wants to go up? And it was like me and one other guy. <laughs> no one else so, wanted to go up on stage. So like, were you in the trick? Did you have to sign like an NDA or did? No, so they um, they show you the bullet, they show you the gun, you you yeah. write your initials on the slug, oh. and then you draw something you want on the shell casing. They do the trick, and then they spit the shell back out to you in your hands. And when I looked, I mean, it had rifling. You could smell uh, the, the gunpowder on it. it. As far as I can tell, that, that was a real bullet that was fired out of a real gun. No idea how they pulled it off. Yeah. Well, we, know, we need a bullet for these Thanksgiving prices. The American Farm Bureau... <laughs> Federation reported a classic Thanksgiving feast for 10 is 64.05. These is also, by the way, these averages always yeah. sound really cheap. I'm like, I don't think I could feed my family at four for 64.05, let alone a family of 10. Yeah. But regardless of that, that's from the baseline. It's up 20% over last year's at 53.31. So whatever your elevated cost, it's going to be up about 20% over what those were. And this might make sense because I'm from Boston and it says average meal cost was 170. So that seems yeah, a lot Boston more like the most it. Expensive. Well, look at you guys in New Jersey, 161 bucks, man. Yeah. Yeah. We're not, we're not even cooking. We, um, we go with my wife's family, um, out to a restaurant. So might be spending, we're definitely gonna be spending more for the restaurant this year than we did last year, but at least, you know, we're not making a big, big mess with the, with the cook off and everything. Cranberries are down 14% though. Yeah. Cranberries and, uh, avocados, surprisingly. <laughs> you, well, wow. not, not the avocado, not the avocado is a, uh, Thanksgiving, uh, uh, poor, uh, Thanksgiving meal, but you know, with everything else going up, you gotta, you gotta get yeah. creative. Well, and how else are the millennials going to go bankrupt now if they don't have their avocados to yeah, buy? Exactly. Um, <laughs> so here's, Hey, by the way, truck drivers. So this is more of a luck thing, but these are, these are, uh, the very two different lifestyles. We have a, an 82 year old truck driver who won. He was playing ever like everyone else. He was playing that Powerball, right? He was trying to win yep. the billions of dollars. He didn't, he get every number, but one. And he got a million. Would that be heartbreaking, by the way? Do you think that would be harder than just winning it all? It's it's like it's it's so close, but also it's, I I love the statistics. Seventy uh, percent of everybody who wins the lottery, regardless of the winning size, they're broke within five years. So Brooks Brooks you know, it, Kibbe, Brooks Kibbe sounds like a retired truck driver. That's a very good retired oh, truck yeah, driver name. Yeah. He yeah he so yeah, he, he got a million. But the other one is. This guy was a linebacker this season, Raider linebacker Blake Martinez. He found a Pikachu Illustrator Pokemon card worth $672,000 and abruptly <laughs> retired. I guess this is the same Pokemon that at WrestleMania, Jake Paul wore around his neck. I, that's a factoid for you. So my question is, what would you rather win? Million dollar Powerball off by one number, or would you rather find the Illustrator Pikachu? Oh, they're definitely the Powerball. Oh, the really? Pikachu card, you the Pikachu card, you got to worry about damaging it and you got to find somebody to buy it. Whereas the lottery, it's just like, it's your money. Give it to me. I guess. But like after taxes and everything, like can't, won't the Pikachu go up? I don't know. Find me on Twitter. Hey, don't be a stranger. <laughs> Peace and love. <laughs>